It really doesn't matter what I wish to happen, but it's really important to look at what is happening and what can realistically be expected. To move away from what would I wish for for the world into how do I think the world really works. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Brewer, founder of Collect Responsibility, here today with another episode of the Sustainable Ambassador Podcast. Today, I'm joined by two professors from the University of Hamburg to speak about the recent Hamburg Climate Futures Outlook, where they looked at the plausibility of maintaining the 1.5 degree limit that we've been talking about and the social drivers and physical processes that will support or at times inhibit reaching that goal. Professors, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. It's really great to have you both here to talk about the recent report, your work as academics in the center and, and the goals that you have uh, to, to really drive us towards a more sustainable future. Thanks for having us in the show. Uh, so I'm Anita Engels uh, and I'm a sociologist by training. And um, I actually have a very long background in looking at climate change and society. I yeah. finished my studies uh, at University of Bielefeld in 1994. And uh, right then I started looking at climate change. So ever since then, I have been looking at really how society changes with a changing climate and uh, looking at societal discourses in the media, in science and in politics. Yeah, hello. Uh, I'm Jochen um, in my In my day job, I'm a director at the Max Planck Institute for Meteorology in Hamburg. I'm also a professor at the University of Hamburg. I would consider myself a climate physicist. I was trained in physics and physical oceanography, but I was always interested uh, in my professional life in climate questions, first from the ocean side, then in more general sides. Uh, and it was about 15 years ago that, that we started in uh, what's called here a cluster of excellence, where it started more on the natural science side but we moved into uh, the combination of natural and social sciences. And, and so over the years, we've come to stress more and more the interplay of natural sciences and social sciences in our cluster. What drew you together to bring these two disciplines together? And what have you been finding in your time over the last 15 years? When I started thinking or when I learned about climate and when these questions came up, okay, so anthropogenic climate change is upon us and it will get stronger. Uh, mm. What can we do about it. I remember being at a complete loss at that mm. time. I, I couldn't, didn't even know how to think about that question. It seemed yeah. uh, seemed completely beyond me. By sheer accident, I got involved in doing economic experiments, taking people in the lab and have them play for real money. And we we invented a climate change framing and we looked at whether people uh, are willing to spend their own money on preventing climate change. Mm. And what I took away from that is that it really doesn't matter what I wish to to happen right. but it's really important to look at what is happening and what can realistically be expected to happen and so to move away from what would I wish for myself or for the world into how do I think the world really works? And I love that. that's why I put ever more emphasis on that interplay of understanding how society works and understanding yes. how the physical side works. 
So I, I, first off, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, I've been talking with my friends and a lot of people that are colleagues and peers about the lessons that we can take away from COVID in terms of like the tangibility versus intangibility, direct threat versus threat, versus the fact that 50% of people just won't even wear a mask, even if they agree that it's a direct threat. So how do we engage individuals in this? It can't be wishing. It's got to be like, how do we actually find the hooks that bring them in? And so, Anita, I'm curious, like, where do you come into this? What has been your experience and what are you finding? Now we have known for so many decades what the problem is and we seem not to be able to stop it so that really is a problem with society i think that's uh, really important to to understand that better to not only look at what individuals do look at uh, the or encompassing infrastructures, the institutions that really guide the way in which we are to accept uh, changes that are necessary, maybe. I guess the next question I have is, when you guys came together to create this cluster of excellence, what was the vision for the center itself? And can you just talk about the background of the center itself, the history a little bit, and and the work that you're doing there? Uh, I mean, we all think that if there is an extreme event happening, say a heat wave, a major, major heat wave, it has an influence on how society perceives climate change. And then you can ask, does that have a political consequence? And the answer is not at all clear. The answer is really, really difficult. And so it is questions like that that we that we like to, to understand and that we, we prepare ourselves for providing answers to. That's great. So from I mean, our side, uh, it's, it's actually really understanding the societal dynamics that are somehow connected to the climate system and to climate parameters. How is this uh, uh, in a systematic way? How are the uh, processes evolving to be able to say something about the plausibility of a specific climate future? It's very open in one way, how society will uh, move around and uh, which direction it will take in terms of CO2 emissions. But then, of course, there is also path dependency. And so that's what we try to bring together. What were the big takeaways that each of you had? Like, wow, I had not thought of that. Or wow, this is really a powerful statement that came through this research for you. Uh, I worked personally uh, most intensely on the driver that we call fossil fuel divestment. This is something where a lot of the action is taking place. You know, huge institutional investors, are taking away their money, their capital from the fossil fuel sector. So obviously, if the fossil fuel sector doesn't get any money anymore, then, you know, this is going to change the world. But then if you look at it and really look um, at the data and at, at uh, it was uh, surprising to see how far we are actually away, globally speaking, from that point where it really knew uh, right. uh, fossil investments are not possible anymore when the paris agreement was uh, was signed and, and I, I heard this gee limiting warming to one and a half degrees my response was that can't be uh, this is just too much wishful thinking but this was pure gut feeling and, and and when i was asked about it in public lectures i said I, I can't quite believe it but this is not a scientific statement and what i feel is what the, the outlook has turned that gut feeling <laughs> into a scientific statement of mm. course of course it is our current assessment 
Sure. Uh, we are not saying it is impossible, but we 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 say it is not plausible to limit warming to the one and a half degrees. Right. That is not a pleasant message to many people. Yeah. But I think there is one agreement we share in Hamburg, uh, which is right. If we are the bearers of bad news, if this is a realistic depiction right. of what goes on, uh, then this is the news we 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 have to communicate. Yeah. So for me, it was really sort of a, a powerful turning of a of a gut feeling into something solid what are the the levers or what are the stakeholders that you think have the most potential to do good so the social movements are very important for policy making and for national regulation uh, but we also have climate litigation you know uh, the increasing risk for companies and for states to be sued because uh, individuals or uh, uh, organizations uh, think that uh, they don't do enough and that they really need to speed up action and uh, so they are suit and and this can create a new resource for social movements to to work on that and also it increases the financial risk for companies so yeah, yeah. You, you can find a lot of ways where you can individually or as an organization really make an an, uh, an influence and have uh, uh, an impact and how yeah. these different dynamics really uh, can work together to reinforce each other what do you see as a sociologist are the major catalysts or the major inhibitors for these individuals that we need to act right now towards this goal? Uh, maintaining the commons. And I mean, uh, Harding wrote about that in 68, the tragedy of the commons. And, and we've seen that all the time in our experiments. Yeah. That, uh, that, that the fear, okay, if I invest, I'm... Um, I'm the dumb one who who saves the world for all the others, and the others just watch, uh, stand by and watch me uh, save things for them. No, no, sure. no, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, so that is that is a powerful inhibition, even among the well-meaning. Yeah. Uh, now, now, of course, uh, there is a side. There, there, there are states, companies, individuals who have a vested interest in not changing anything, and if they are mm -hmm. powerful, they, 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 of course, can uh, can prevent a lot. I mean, that that's that's another side. But even among the uh, actors who are well-meaning in principle, you see that fear immediately step in when things get a little rough, and right. that's a that's a very powerful inhibition. And and it, it is quite it's very hard to 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 move against that fear of free riding. Mm -hmm. But uh, as as Anita said, we we are seeing things that 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 are effective and that are surprising. If yeah. I take the if I take the climate litigation, there was a ruling by the German Constitutional Court about two years ago saying the German Private Climate Protection Act is not concrete enough beyond 2030, and that was quite powerful. And I remember that surprise I had, and I guess also the then government, that they said, gee, we can be held to that. We agreed to the Paris yeah. Agreement thinking oh, it'll be decades before anyone turns that into a concrete political measure. And then following right. litigation and also following the protests and the, the constitutional court ruling, I think they certainly said, wait a minute, we are being held accountable. Mm -hmm. How about that? 
And so, so yeah, there are yeah. some surprising politically concrete things that are happening right now. And I did not expect that to happen. I expected the, yeah. the government to weasel out and then just claim the, the political flexibility they would need. So, so I think that combination yeah. of, of protests and, uh, and litigation, uh, that, that, that has quite some teeth. What do you see as the role of academics or academic centers as part of this process? Are you a convener? Are you a catalyst? And, and how do you individually or collectively, you know, bring urgency or, or to, to move this, move us a little bit further down the path of sustainability? I see ourselves really first and foremost as a body that, that tries to understand the world in the broadest sense and also communicate that knowledge, that increased knowledge. Uh, and, and maybe one thing where, where, where I see an important, uh, so important role also in, in some way more, maybe more active role in maybe let's just express it as a catalyst and that's the following so far on the one one could argue we've been more in the analytical mode we've mm. described the world as it is but of course the sheer identification of the social drivers already says where the levers are according to our analysis but we are also thinking more uh, more actively about a more um, maybe proactive analysis in the sense of which approaches might be politically effective. Mm. It does not mean we would engage in activism, but right. it is important to know uh, or to understand that certain ways of engaging uh, may just not be very effective. They, they, mm. they may waste effort, whereas others... Uh, may be more effective we do not want to mm. want to become political activists we want to understand the world and help the, right. help the world around us understand itself better i mean we we have people in the group who uh, understand themselves as science activists uh, but we ha also have many people uh, with different expertises who uh, volunteer to work on scientific advisory boards to governments at different levels or also to mm. companies so so yeah. the roles have multiplied, uh, but the basis that in our understanding in Hamburg really always is that we do first the sound scientific analysis. Coming out of this work, are you more or less optimistic about the future of reaching 1.5 degrees? And what do you see as maybe the next stage of your research to help further what you've already done here? I'm really more pessimistic about the 1.5 uh, limitation but um, in other terms I'm more optimistic because this will not be the end of the world obviously and I think that gradually um, the groups that I work with are learning to how to organize how to build up uh, networks of solidarity and how to prepare and so uh, in a way yes. we are in the cluster we are shifting a little bit uh, towards a sustainable adaptation with a much uh, higher sense of urgency in our group now uh, yeah I, i'm not optimistic that uh, the world can limit warming to one and a half degrees uh, not optimistic at all uh, i am optimistic on the other hand that the world will will not move into an expanded use of fossil fuels. Uh, I do think that in the foreseeable future, we will see the peak in, in greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so some of the scenarios we've been looking at in IPCC, which 
assume a fourfold increase in global coal usage for electricity production, they will not come to pass. I'm, I'm sure about that. So we will have to prepare for a certain level of global climate change more than many people would wish. Uh, but we're also in a situation that is where, where the research comes in, for example, at my own institution, um, that we are in a position much better to say, what are the consequences, regional, maybe even local consequences of that climate change? We will be able to better predict yeah. what level of, of extremes and the frequency of extremes what, what may happen. Uh, so, uh, um, so it, it, in a way, it, it does not help prevent directly help prevent what may happen, but at least it, it would help dealing with the consequences. Providing that knowledge of what extremes may come is one thing. There is a much bigger challenge to say how how do we then act upon it? How do we deal with it? And we will have some of the same political discussions, maybe some of the same fear of free riding, some of the same power games uh, when when mm. it comes to preparing for uh, preparing for what might happen. Uh, typical mm. argument is, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. This hasn't happened for 100 years. This is impossible to happen. Uh, well, no, some things sure. come even sure. they they haven't occurred for a century. And uh, and so again, there is there is a uh, there is an important natural science information, but also we need to understand how local uh, regional communities have have to act in order to prepare for that. Mm. And so I, I think a lot of the mm. research will move into that direction where also that combined information will be beneficial, that we understand better how extremes may develop, but also how communities yep. may prepare for it. I think that will be an ever-increasing part of the research. Great. Well, thank you both so much for the time that you gave to me uh, and to this community for for talking both through your research, but also, you know, the thought process and how we can kind of move forward. I think a lot of times the the, the research that comes out can be too theoretical for the average person to take in. You've, you've done a great job to create a framework that makes it even the science makes it very readable, very engaging. You know, this is this is important stuff that we're doing here.